0: Welcome to the best podcast available, Training Camp Edition. Here are your hosts, Jason Gibbs, Andrew Gribble, and Nick Shook. Welcome into a Tuesday edition of the best podcast available. I'm Jason Gibbs. He's Nick Shook. He's Andrew Gribble. Just a few more days in the hat for the Gribbs, and he's looking forward to it. Uh, you got a little facial hair going. Yeah, on right it's now. this is
1: just camp has hit a total wall. Like I, <laughs> I went in last night to the house and we're, we're dealing with a basement issue and we're moving around furniture and I just I literally was just staring blankly at the wall like while we're doing. it. I just hit <laughs> a wall and the thought of shaving takes takes like uh, motivation. Like it's I'll be I'll be clean and proper for this Tampa trip.
0: Yeah, that's uh, and, and you always have to figure out. I can't shave and then shave the next day. No. So I'm like, all right, I woke up this morning, I'm looking, I go, it's been like three or four days. Yeah. I got to go one more day. I got to shave Wednesday, Thursday's the travel day, shave on Friday for game day. See, the horror- It's the best I can do. The
2: horror with that struck me last night after I shaved my head yesterday when I got home, because as I'm laying in bed, I did the math and said, oh no, I shaved my head on a Monday- (laughs) That means I'm going to be looking pretty rough by Friday. That's when the game is. It's kind of tough to shave after three days. Uh, this might be a shave on the road. Uh, might get a little, uh little hairy. Pun unintended.
1: Best male yes. grooming podcast available.
2: Yes. Also
0: for this. Yeah. I say, we like, give you all kinds of tips here, yeah. from training camp to uh, to hair and uh, head maintenance. Yes. Speaking
1: know. of Baker with the Fu Manchu now. In, in terms this. of, yeah, I mean, this is how we transition. That's what we call uh, a, a seg. In the business,
0: yeah, uh, impressive. Yeah, continues to be impressive. Yes, with the facial hair. The
1: I thought the beard was day. coming back because he was growing the beard, and then yeah. he's he's still sticking with it. I respect it.
0: I mean, do you shave it? The we, I mean, do you do you start to redo it when the season starts? No. So after Labor Day, or do you keep it the whole time? I it,
2: what happens is you have that dirty stage where the beard starts to come in, but you just look. It's not five o'clock shadow. It's two a.m. shadow. You've been out too late, and your beard's in that in-between phase where it just looks awful. And you have to get past that with the benefit of facial hair elsewhere because then you just look scruffy. You don't look dirty. He'll get to scruffy, and then eventually he'll probably bring the whole beard back, trim it all down to even and everything else. Yeah,
0: and I'm sure the wife will have something to say about that. Yes. Don't forget, they're only seeing their significant others immediately after practice. They're, they're in a hotel at night, Yes. so they're not with their significant others. She's not
2: there keeping him from shaving down to a foo Manchu.
0: Yeah, exactly, exactly. We did have a practice today. Uh, it ended early. Maybe the first one, all of training camp. It ended about 40 minutes early. Uh, the guys got their work in. It was very, very hot. It was humid. Uh, we saw a little more from kind of a makeshift scout team, uh, one would have to say. Maybe a little install day more than anything else. Gribbs, uh, big takeaway. Yeah, I you. mean,
1: they're, maybe they're not going to, play the players to the extent of a normal game but maybe this is to get them in the transition to this is what it's like to prepare for a game and I think that that's there's a lot of young guys that are learning that and there's some young guys on this team who will make their NFL debut when they play against the Titans to open the season so it's you just get them in a routine and make it so everything is normal by the time you play the Titans I think that's kind of what they're doing now but I thought I to me I thought it was a lot of team like there was not a ton of time devoted to other stuff they got right to work and they it was pretty productive Productive practice with kind of a weird ending.
2: Yeah, kind of an interesting uh, shift from the tone that we've seen the last two and a half weeks. Definitely different this week. De- they're not tackling to the ground. You know, as you said, that there's the scout team involvement, and they're really focusing on on getting a variety of guys reps, especially like you know along the offensive line, for example. Again, cycling out a bunch of different guys, a bunch of different groups of lines to really see how they can you know, withstand that test and also to see if, you know, hey, maybe this tackle is actually pretty good at guard or, or you know, whatever you want to do in the defensive end as well. Um, and it's, it's definitely a lot different than we saw in the first couple of weeks.
0: All right, let's start off as we break down and analyze today's practice. Uh, the back end of that wide receiver room really starting to come into a little bit better focus, Gribbs, Willie's with a big day. Uh, strong with a big touchdown catch, and, and Ratley is really playing well now.
1: Yeah, and I think right now with those projections, to, to me if I'm making the, the picks for the roster, that those are your four, five, and six receivers that you just kind of mentioned. And I think I was among the many people that may have written off Ratley too soon sure. just because all those other guys were playing so well. But when you watch him on the field, I don't know if he's a little bit bigger than he used to be. It's just the way he moves, and I think I said this yesterday, he just stands out. And I, I'm not saying he's on the Odell Jarvis spectrum. He's not on, not up to the Richard Higgins level, but there's a reason why there was some maybe some patience with this guy, and I think it was good in hindsight now that he waited as long as he did to get back because he didn't want to get hurt again. Because if, if he does get hurt again, that's where it becomes an issue. But like, all right, we need your availability is, is, is important. And I think that that's the key for him is going to be staying healthy – and making the most out of these two preseason games, he's got the special teams experience, so I think he's in a good spot.
2: It's funny because like you hear people talk about uh, this this GM or this scout has the eye. You have an eye for talent or whatever. I'm not saying I have the eye, but what I'm saying is is guys like Damian Ratley. When you watch them play, like Gribble said, you can see why teams give them longer leashes or hang on to them longer. Not because he's Odell Beckham or he's you know Julio Jones or whatever, but you just something's a little different. And and you can just see the potential. You don't know what it could maybe manifest into, but you could see the potential for something productive and and excellent out of this guy. And and it's nice to see him back on the field. We also saw some other guys back in the field today, too. Uh, Dontrell Hilliard was back in pads. Tavier Thomas was back in pads. Uh, tavier has been out for a while. Dontrell, for about a week, got a little dinged up in Indianapolis. Uh, westfield indiana and uh and so he's Uh, back today as well it's always good to see guys get back to the field uh especially as you get close to the regular season so that's encouraging
0: now miles garrett was out today a little illness coach clarified it in his press conference today said that he had started to feel ill last night carried over into today and so he wasn't even a participant or even on the field today so Something to monitor here as, as the week progresses and we get closer to Friday night's game. But at this time of the year, it's I'm, miles. I'm good.
1: I'm good if I don't see him Friday. I think we're all right. I think you're fine. And I also think if he doesn't play, it gives you some opportunities to really, which where, where there's some maybe some tough decisions to make. Not saying it's between Chad Thomas or Anthony Zettel, but it's are, are you going to work the numbers to where they're both here?
0: Yeah. Uh, Chris Smith. Uh, was not here today. He was not here yesterday. He's excused for personal reasons and hope everything's good. And we look forward to seeing him uh, back on the field soon. He's definitely been kind of like the sixth man on that defensive line and the first guy in when Miles has been out. So it'll be interesting to see who steps up here tomorrow and then, uh, then on Friday when we play in Tampa. Can we talk about the Scottish Hammer kick and field goals? That seems to be a little buzz today. <laughs> Someone was drilling 60-yard, 57-yard kicks today. He was also missing some very wide right that could have potentially hit people in places where they would have never been looking for a football to come. But a little buzz generated from the young man
2: uh, known for his punting ability. I mean, he's got history kicking field goals at Arkansas Pine Bluff, so he's done it before. Freddie kind of joked today that he didn't know that he could kick field goals before, and he said, "Well, if he's hitting a sixty-yarder, I guess he'd have a shot." And he looked at the reporter, was asking a question, said, well, "If you hit a sixty-yarder, you'd, you'd have a shot too." I mean, so it's, it's interesting. I don't really think it's going to turn into anything. It would be a fun story if it did, and it would also maybe soothe our concerns with the kicking game, which we did not see on display today. Sure.
1: Let's go with the numbers for the Scottish Hammer. His field goal kicking days at Arkansas Pine Bluff last season, he was twenty of twenty-nine on field goals, with a long of forty-three uh Eight. and he had a game where he was five of six that was his big game against texas southern pats which in college is much shorter 22 of 26
0: mm. by the way another big back-to-back day for you going into the stats on a deep dive. you got the it quick I mean, google i the said quick both, google the google he, machine so
1: he has that i'm not saying he has that edge but colquitt did field goals in high school didn't yeah. do them in college when you're at Arkansas Pine Bluff, they got one spot for a punter slash kicker. <laughs> yep, you're doing it all. Uh, so he was doing it all. I think he, I believe he kicked field goals all four years. So he has the experience. He was not recruited or signed because to be of his a kicker. Kicking
0: ability. No, you go well, to, his punting ability. Yes, the,
1: the the kicking can be rough at this these this level of colleges, D1, AA, and, and areas like that. Uh, so, again. Let's just I, Let's I keep that a little bit. I, I was on a radio show yesterday, and I told them, 64 <laughs> kickers are employed right now. You're going to want to go in the free agent market if you want to when there's 31, 32 of those guys out there yeah. and available and looking for jobs.
2: Yeah, and that'll happen next week, yeah. not now. Yeah. Also, also, fun fact, based on Gribble's Googling, I've now learned that Arkansas Pine Bluffs mascot is the Golden Lions. <laughs> golden as, Lions. A, as a golden flash, I stand with Helmets
1: them. are fire, too. Look at those.
2: Oh, my. Two-tone, black
1: and gold. I like it. He wore 42 in college, by the way.
2: Oh,
0: interesting. You yeah. take the numbers
1: you can get when you're a specialist.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's talk about your boy, JT Hassel. <laughs> Great catch. Nice interception today for that young man. He played a lot on Saturday. Showed a little bit. Uh, he played a lot of snaps on Saturday. Yeah. And then had a good practice today. I, I put
1: him in the same, same boat as maybe a DJ Montgomery, where he is playing really well, doing all the right things and is just in a loaded group where yep. I don't know what's going to happen moving forward. He's a great story, has a, had a heck of a camp, uh, hits like a maniac on special teams. And so I think a bit. there is a place in this league for JT Hassel, whether it be on special teams, uh, whether it be on a practice squad, there is a place where he will end up being. Uh, and he is just now learning how to play safety. Uh, he, he was a linebacker in college. So he – he he clearly has the effort and desire to do it maybe he can stay in cleveland as a practice squad guy or i mean Lo and behold, there's some injuries in that safety position. You you might need some bodies. So I think, but he has done everything that they've asked him to do, and I think he's gotten a lot better since he started out here in May. And I remember when Joe Witt talked about him, he said, "Now this is a guy that's going to really show up when the pads come on," and that's exactly what's happened.
2: You know, that's kind of the story for a lot of these guys who have really improved since that point. I mean, you've just seen the, the natural progression of just more reps. I mean, the fact that they've just gotten more opportunities to play the game and play within the systems that they've they've been inserted into. I mean, guys are just they the cream is kind of rising. You know, it's—it's it's natural, I think, at this level. But it's also really interesting to see when you're out there on a daily basis and you're watching these guys play, play after play after play. And it might seem mundane at the time, but then you get to the point now where we're at—we're near the end of camp, and we're like, man, that guy has gotten a lot better. You know, we've talked about it before. Drew Forbes is one of those guys who's just sure. gotten a lot better. You've seen it with other guys as well, and and it's just really interesting to see because it sounds uh, so abstract when you think about. Uh, a football player improving, you know, because you just see them pl- on a play by play basis or a game by game basis. You're like, well, how do you get, how do you improve? How do you get better? But when you see it built over time and stacking practices and all that stuff, it's, it's just, it's really fun to watch. Yeah.
0: Any other takeaways from today? It was a quick one.
1: I, I think the, the just another guy to keep watching as we get toward roster cutdown day and maybe these, especially these next two games, is set to valve. I think another guy that we may have written off as being like, this guy's been hurt for a long time. It's a crowded position group. Now all of a sudden, he's running first team these last couple of days of practice. And it's, he sure. was in the backfield as yeah. a blocking uh, guy. So maybe he is competition for Joe Carriage. Uh, if it's someone you can hold on to as like, okay, we're not going to use a fullback a ton so we can get by with the yeah. uh in the backfield. He's someone that is, uh, someone that is really fighting for a spot and might not have been as out of the mix as we might have thought a week ago. I mean, just because I, I think that there's been so many injuries at that tight end position that he's had real opportunities, and I think if he stays, if he's good to go Friday, I think he's going to play a lot.
2: Yeah, you know, on that that specific play and that that formation that uh, he mentioned, it was an offset out of the right, and then he motioned the left, and they ran an ISO, and he went right through the hole, and he made a really nice block, and it was like, oh well. If he can block like that, he's got some value. You can put him back there and maybe fill that H-back role that used to belong to Orson Charles sure. and, or the traditional fullback role that belongs to Joe Carriage. Uh, c- competition at a position that the Browns technically didn't even have filled until a couple weeks ago. So uh, kind of a refreshing thing to see uh, from a guy who hasn't been on the field in a while. But you also do consider that position. It is a very physical one, and you are going through the whole— We think about his history of concussions, and and maybe that is kind of a negative factor. So we'll see what happens there.
0: All right, that's what happened today, the second-to-last day of Cleveland Browns training camp to the public. On this, the week that we play Tampa Bay in the, quote, dress rehearsal game. I'm Jason Gibbs, along with Nick Shook, alongside Andrew Gribble. This is the best podcast available. We have two interviews today. Sometimes we don't have any. Sometimes we do a twofer today. One of those days, and it's all about the big uglies, known as the offensive linemen. Hopefully none of them are listening, and pay me a visit tomorrow.
2: I mean, they're pretty. They are. They're good. Jace, J- like J. It's C- a great Tra- shuffleboard J- table J- going, on, yeah, you going know, on downstairs earlier. J.C. Tretter's a good-looking guy, and they're nice guys. Not on the field, but at the shuffleboard table, they're kind of nice.
0: Well, if we're going to be talking offensive line, we had to send our O-line correspondent downstairs to do the, uh, do the questions, and that's our own Nick Shook. He had a chance to sit down – with new offensive line coach James Campen. A really, really good interview and some good insight into the battle going on at right guard and overall on that offensive line as they come together in preparation for September 8th.
2: Have a listen. First question, really. You you come from many years in Green Bay where you had a lot of success. Uh, why now and why Cleveland?
3: Well, I mean, it's a, it's a great opportunity. I mean, you know, when you... You know, you come on an interview, and I'm very grateful for the opportunity Freddie's given me, but, um, you know, it's always about people, and it really does. I mean, that's, to me, that's where it starts, um, and that's really where it will end. I mean, good people and people with vision and drive and goals um, are one thing, but people that will implement them and step out of the box to do that. Um, that's what you look for in coaching. It's, um, it's, it's a joy to be here. It's going to be fun.
2: Do you feel like you get some of that freedom in your coaching style here?
3: Uh, I think so. I, you know, I Coach Coach Kitchens always says, you know, coach to your strengths, and um, you know, push at the envelope as far as you want to push it. You know, within the rules and, and being smart and those type of things. Obviously, you know, respect is huge for him. And as long as you're doing things with respectful manner and mindset, then uh, um, things are good. You know, and so, um, but he's quick to correct and uh, to move on. So it's it's a pleasure. It's a pleasure with the honesty. It's great.
2: So when you got here and, and you kind of prepared for what you're going to go, go into this offseason and then now this training camp, what did you see on tape that needed to be changed?
3: Um, You know, you I mean, based on it's so hard, you know, you know, because you don't know the people, the players. So, you know, the judgment is, is, you know, it, the fact of the matter is it won, you know, last year. And and now we, we have to transition that into winning more this year and. Um, when you have turnarounds like that, something had to change. I wasn't part of that change, um, uh, and now, and it did change, and, and now I'm just grateful to be part of the solution and, um, you know, one small part of it, and it's going to be a heck of a ride. Okay. All
2: right, now let's kind of shift to maybe some, some intricacies of this. Um, if you could explain best in your words, what are the differences um, in the responsibilities between a tackle, whether it's left or right, and a guard, and how the positions can be different when you're playing them?
3: Um, well, in general, I mean, it's like, I don't know if it's so much responsibility, but it's the difference is like with tackles, you know, if I'm over here I'm playing left tackle, well, yeah, I got to take, you know, I, but most of my world is in front of me, and to my, you know, so I've got like two thirds I'm playing with. Inside, you're playing everything, you know, so I got to see and be head on a swivel. Things like that are a little different, you know. Obviously, space, pass rush space, um, you know, there's there's different things fundamentally that are obviously different, but um, responsibility-wise, uh, um, we're pretty balanced on how we everything is spread out by line calls and everything. Not one person makes the calls, and not one person is responsible for seeing everything. They all are, so, and I think you have to do that. I mean. If you don't, then if only one person's only talking, then you could make issues for yourself. So right.
2: you got to communicate definitely. Sure. The reason I ask that is because I think about a guy like Drew Forbes. You know, if he, obviously you've looked at his tape, but if uh-huh. if you go back and watch his college tape, you see he didn't. You know, he wasn't in the traditional pass dropping. I mean, he was 45 at best. Oh yeah. And and that's a huge adjustment yes. to come to tackle, and then he starts to play guard, has to learn guard all in this camp. So yes. that's kind of why I asked that. How has his progression been?
3: It, it's it's starting to progress now. Is that kind of a silly answer, I guess? But it's it's accelerating, I should say, because you know there's a thing you know where he's not only was he a tackle, but like you said, and it's I'm glad you know he's everything's 45 or some. We gotta get more vertical sometimes, but some things require you to be at 45, right? So for him, you know, playing tackle, the, the 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 sets were different. Now we move him inside. He's never played inside. But then the people are bigger and stronger, and they're crowding the ball more, and they're they're on you fast. So, it's that separation anxiety that you have to overcome, and it's and it takes a little bit longer for a smaller school person to do that because of bigger people. You know, he's I mean he he's playing against guys that were 245, 50 pound people, and now you got 300 pounds, and they're probably quicker than them. You know, so. Uh, but once that separation has has diminished and starting to diminish, then the player starts getting confident and then the natural ability comes out. And And so we think we're at the point where we're starting to make steps with that. With
2: it, it seems to be pretty evident. One thing I really noticed too, is, especially when he's playing guard, is he, I know you've drilled this into his head, it's just the head on the swivel thing. I mean, I've never seen somebody's head move as fast as he, he's definitely checking it out.
3: Maybe too much. See, that's one thing about Drew is that he internalizes everything you say. And then sometimes it's like, sometimes just saying less is okay, too, and let him go play, you know, and so, um, but he's very bright, very intelligent, and he, he does things one way, and he wants to be a perfectionist, well, and that's a great quality to have, but in the learning stage, sometimes, just go play, It's, it's just be a kid, go play, right. you know.
2: All right, last question, sure. you probably might not be able to answer this specifically, but I'm going to ask it anyway, um, you've got a history of turning later round picks into pro bowlers in Green Bay, This doesn't have to be a later round pick here, um, this could be anybody, who's not already a pro bowler. So Joel, you know, disqualified, sure. but who do you think has the potential to really take that step in the next year or two here?
3: Um, you know, I, I appreciate the compliment, but um, certainly the player has to be the one to make that step. And, and we're just a small piece to you know push him through, to be honest with you. And, and, um, but you know, for me, really, I, I don't, I'm not really a good predictor. I, I just, you know, someone says, well, how many wins do you think you're going to have or who do you think will be? I'm more, you know, you've got to show it, and then they have to believe it, and then it happens. So, you know, for me to go out on a limb or say this one is or that one isn't, I'm really just, I don't think that's fair to the room because everyone has an equal chance. Everyone has an equal chance to start, to play, to make this team, and you take it to where you want to take it. So no matter where you're drafted or you weren't, that can happen for people, and, and I've seen it happen. And um I just I don't I don't get into that that part of rankings. That's no. just that's just me.
2: No, I totally agree. I totally agree. Thank you very much, Coach, for your time. Very Appreciate it. Mentioned. Boy, he
0: has quite the background, Nick Shook. Uh your takeaways from him and we had a long conversation with him after the interview as well that I, I wish we could have been recording <laughs> on, but uh, Probably not the best idea.
2: Yeah, Uh, You know, he's got a stellar background. He was in Green Bay for a lot of years and turned a lot of good linemen. Well, a lot of linemen who didn't have high expectations into very good linemen. Namely, David Bakhtiari, who is their current left tackle, considered one of the best left tackles, if not the best left tackle in the NFL and and a premier pass blocker uh, among all things. And you know, he's he's done it with a lot of guys, and, and it was a huge coup for the Browns to get James Campin in the offseason. And I think we've seen the results in some of the guys so far. I think we'll see a lot more of it pay off in game action. Uh, maybe this week, probably more in the regular season, and a guy who has a wealth of knowledge and a very um, intricate, I think, uh, nuanced approach. Where he once he said it there, you know, he wanted to learn the guys and and kind of their disposition before he just started changing things. You know, it's not like my way or the highway. It's okay. Well, what do you react to? What do you respond to? How can we best maximize your talents and your play style? And I think that we're starting to see that now.
1: I liked how him and Jeff Blasco mix and uh, work off each other because I would say I don't know if I've ever heard James Camp and. Uh, yelling at practice, or you don't really. He's, he's a guy that's sure. teaching. uh Blaskow, you hear uh, from the sideline. He's he's the on uh, hands-on guy. Yeah. Right after a play, he's got his eyes on a couple guys, and if that, if someone doesn't do what they're supposed to, he is right on top of it. it. No matter what group it is, whether it's first or fourth, I mean, he is out there on top of those guys. It's it's good to see those guys in a in a really good system and setup. And I, I it'll obviously you want to see how he develops some of these guys who are already proven sure. players in the league, but it's going to be the guys like a Drew Forbes. I mean, how do those guys get groomed uh, and maybe potentially start one day?
0: All right. In addition to James Campin, while we were waiting for Coach, who was a pretty popular individual today, uh, J.C. Tretter happened to be walking by. He said, what are you doing with the recorder? We said, we're going to record you. He said, okay. And here's J.C. Tretter <laughs> for a few minutes with Nick Shook.
2: JC, you're a guy who has been here for a couple years now, and uh, you're pretty established at your position, but you've got some changes alongside you. How have you guys dealt with that so far?
4: Yeah, we've been working guys around and trying to find the best fit and the guy who goes out there and, and takes control of, of the job. Um, so we've been moving guys in and out. because has done a good job, um, but we still got a bunch of guys fighting for that position. So we still got a couple more weeks left. Um, see who you know rises to the top.
2: We, we even saw a tackle there today, uh, Kendall Lamb, uh, you know, you talked about shuffling in and out, but that's a lot of different guys. I mean, how do you kind of mitigate that?
4: Yeah, well, I think one thing we do during training camp, and that's something Campy's always been a big proponent of, is kind of moving guys around because you never know kind of what's going to happen during a season and during a game. I mean, we've had, I had a game with Campy where we were down to to five guys, and we had prepared with our long snapper at center uh, during walkthroughs that week to be ready for anything. So Campy's a guy who will rotate guys through, just kind of see how pieces fit together and and you know worst case scenarios and things like that. So you know we, we've been moving guys around so you get used to how everybody plays and and kind of how they set and how you communicate with them um so that's just all part of football and kind of getting used to guys
2: we know what you played with last year and, and played through um and we saw you actually get a little dinged up what was it, a couple of weeks ago at this point uh but you refused to uh you know sit out the rest of the practice and knowing you know what you've already dealt with and, and how these other guys could get reps and yet you still finished um you know what what was your thought process on that?
4: Yeah, I think one thing's kind of Freddie has preached is availability and, and getting through camp and just kind of always being there, and, and that's something I think everybody's kind of taken to heart, and uh, especially the offensive line, that's something that, you know, you don't really have statistics or anything like that. Um, so really your your statistic is whether you are always out there, and you, you play every game and you play every play. So that's something I think every offensive lineman really takes pride in there is, you know, the only time you have a chance to really help this team is by being out there and doing your job. Um, so that's something I think all offensive linemen really take pride in.
2: Okay, so if somebody came to training camp right now and they were close enough to the field to hear you make your calls, they'd probably be asking what is going on in there. Yeah. Take us inside the mind of a center and your responsibilities pre-snap on every play.
4: Yeah, so you come up, you decide what type of defense they're in, let everybody know what type of defense they're in. Uh, then depending on the play, whether it's run-pass, uh, you have different points and different calls, kind of letting everybody to know quarterback were to know where he's hot running backs know where he's going and the offensive lineman who we got um so there's a lot of communication and that's something you know me and me and Baker need to always be on the same page because we have to kind of play off each other's points where I could see something and make a point if Baker likes something else he can change it or or sometimes he just needs to know where I'm thinking so he can know what he's got to do so that comes a lot of meeting between the quarterback and center of just getting on the same page and and understanding where each other's you know looking.
2: So I heard a call today uh, that just kind of jumped out to me because I'd never really heard it before, and, and it was interesting. If you think of the imagery associated, which is lasso, mm-hmm. can you kind of explain that?
4: Well, I'm not going to go too far into detail, but that's just one of our, you know, one of our calls um, that just lets one side of the line know kind of where we're going and how we're going to get there um so we have a lot of calls um and sometimes we use dummy calls uh sometimes you know you'll hear ones that don't mean anything but we're saying them just so the defense can't get used to kind of when we make that call we're always doing that um so as you get older and the group gets gets used to each other um you'll slide in cobra calls and fake calls and uh fake checks just so the defense can't really get a read on what you're actually calling
2: what's your funniest check you've ever made Fake um, fake check
4: um fake check uh some some probably shouldn't be repeated on uh on pg podcasts um but we i mean we have bozos and um we usually i I like going into a week with like a theme um so we had like thor and loki uh one week you kind of we we go like that where we kind of brainstorm things we want to get on we had one uh historical theme we had aaron and burr um, so, we kind of jump around. I like trying to get you know random random terms and phrases on the uh, on the TV copy so that 's always kind of a fun game within a game
2: like a Halle Berry?
4: no i haven 't done that one yet, but we, we might we might slide in we might slide that in
0: j c uh, always a good interview, always a good get, and some really good insight from him as well. a little bit of fun as well the, the players you you see them now they 're starting to go. Oh, we're f- There's a light at the end of the tunnel. Right. Training camp is training camp will break on Thursday morning before we leave for Tampa. When they come back, not living in a hotel, you know, it, they'll be home with their families a lot more, and you can just see the guys. Okay, it, this is finally this
2: grueling, grueling camp. Is finally ended. It's funny because Austin Corbett walked by once we were done with that interview, and and, you know he was like, "That's high quality content right there." You're hitting, asking the hard hitting questions. You can tell they're they're loosening up a little bit, like you said, and and you still see them all congregating down the atrium. It seems to be the offensive lineman hangout these days, probably be because of the shuffleboard table, but. They're laying on the couches. They don't seem to be as, I think, depleted as they might have looked in the middle of last sure. week or before we even went to Indianapolis. Uh, I think the pace of the practice has lessened up just a little bit. You know, not like we said, not tackling to the ground. Um, and I think they're starting to get more comfortable. But there's been a lot of variety. And, and, and I think that uh, it's been a little bit of a mental test for some of them. But overall, it's going to be good because, as we had talked with Coach Campen and afterward, uh, the most important thing is depth and knowing if those guys can play different positions in the time of need. And, and so I think it's less physical, it's more mental now, uh, and then they're going to be able to apply it all. And hopefully before the end of camp so you can figure out who these linemen will be and which linemen will be active on game day.
1: It's always a weird transition when you go into camp and then to still preseason practices because you'll go down around like 4 o'clock and you just see you guys walking out be like, what are you guys doing? Like, you're leaving? Like, you're allowed right. to leave? Like, right. they, they just go home. Like, I was like, wow. I mean, you forget. Once you get into camp, you're like, oh, it's not always like this. Like, they lead maybe slightly more normal lives outside of this three- to four-week stretch. And I think they're, they're looking forward
0: to it. Yeah, I don't see there being any question. They are very much looking forward to it. Uh, what are we looking forward to Tomorrow. In the final training camp practice open to the public in 2019, Mr. Gribble. Well, I don't
1: know if I'm looking forward to the practice. I, I'm looking forward <laughs> to who's going to be on the podium afterward, and QB one is going to be on the podium afterward. Yeah. I don't.
2: Yeah, there was yeah. a story or two today. There's some just, things, just a
0: few things some, out there right some, now.
2: Some topics to discuss, yeah. Yeah,
0: should be uh, should be interesting to see how that all. Maybe plays have a couple
1: in. sound bites in tomorrow's pod for it. Just a few. Yeah. That's what I'm looking for. I've seen enough on the field.
0: I, I, think, I think we all have, and I think it, tomorrow the forecast is a little iffy. We'll, we'll see how it plays out, but we've been able to get every practice yeah. in for the fan base, which I don't remember that ever being the case.
1: Yeah, well, we've had a, had a perfect run. Had, yeah. Not even really, even not really had any close calls either. No, no. That's that, the perks of morning. Let's keep them in the morning forever. There would have been that. a number of these bagged had they been the afternoon.
2: Now, yeah. now that now that we've discussed this, of course, we're, we're jinxed. Tomorrow it'll rain.
1: It, it, the but forecast it's the last one. It does say a.m. thunderstorms, yeah. which is a rarity on yeah. there. Rarity. You don't it's see that
0: very often. It's supposed to start late tonight into tomorrow morning, so we'll kind of see how it plays out. Do they go hard tomorrow? No. Is tomorrow I, a hard day leading up to the Friday game?
2: I think. I think they'll still be in pads. I think this yeah. this is a day where if it wasn't Freddie Kitchens, I would say, oh, you'll be in shells, which is shoulder pads and shorts and helmets, of course. But with him, I don't know. I, I yeah, mean, I know. there's a certain point of comfort where, you know, shorts don't quite feel as good as, as your pants, like you're, you're, you know, with the pads in them. You just, it doesn't. It feels like, oh, well, maybe guys are going to go at a lower speed because you're not in your full pads and I think they're so accustomed to it at this point; they've been in full pads for every day except for the day after the uh, first preseason game against Washington. That maybe he just k- keeps them in pads, and they just go to lighter tempo. Well,
0: and that's and it's inter- it will be interesting to see because who plays Friday night and who doesn't play Friday night? Because this will be the last real day of work right. if they're not playing on Friday
1: night. Part of me wonders. and Maybe I'm trying to think next level here. He he appreciated the the guys that gave it all for the team on defense. Do they get a little bit of a breather in, in a Friday's Ooh, game? Because sure. they played a little bit more. They definitely played more in the offense, even even compared to the offensive guys that played, like the offensive line. I mean, Terrence Mitchell and Greedy Williams played 32 snaps last week. That's a lot. That's a lot, lot. Yeah, that's a lot for, for the main guys. There were still four defensive players who only played one series, both the safeties and both the linebackers. Those guys got out of there in a hurry. The rest of those guys played a little longer. So, do does he – step it back a little bit with the defense and maybe increase it a little bit for the offense. I mean, we'll see. I I think we're all in agreement. We'll be stunned if we see the whole three-quarters thing. I just don't know if that's yeah. it's trending yeah. that
2: way. I, I, I don't think he subscribes to that, I think, school of thought. It's more about where they are individually. and They evaluate on a practice-by-practice basis, he said yesterday, and I think that's really what's going to drive his, his decision more than anything. But I, I do like Gribble's theory. I think that there is some weight to that because – A lot of those defenders played last week, and a lot of the offensive guys didn't play. However, I don't think Odell Beckham Jr. is going to play, and that's perfectly fine. Bubble wrap. Same with Miles. Yeah.
0: Just enjoy the view. Chubb. Enjoy the view. Throw Chubb in that mix. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. All right, that's going to wrap up today's best podcast available. Log on to clevelandbrowns.com or wherever you get your podcasts for all of our show's uh in t- 2019 from training camp we will have a couple more next week leading up to the final preseason game of the year and we'll kind of we'll figure out the next steps with the best podcast available for Andrew Gribble for Nick shook I'm Jason Gibbs thank you for listening to the best podcast available